What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, my name is Caleb Rutherford, and I'm your host, and I'm grateful that we have an opportunity to sit down and to do Bible study together. As always, we're grateful uh, to be a part of the Scattered Abroad Network, and if uh, this is your first time listening to this podcast, we're grateful that you're here, but please go check out all of the other podcasts that we have at the network. You can go to our website, scatteredabroad.org, and you can find all of the information that you need to know about the network, our podcast, all of our hosts, and everything that we have going on here. Uh, if you would like to, we'd love for you to subscribe to your email list, you can again, go to our website, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the website, and you can put your name and email in. And we'll send you two uh, emails a month uh, that just keep you updated on the network and everything uh, that we have going on. So we're grateful for all of our continued support. And again, if this is your first time with us, we're thankful that you're here. Um, For the Transform podcast for this season, season number six, uh, this is episode number seven. And we are uh, in the midst of talking about worship, specifically this season, transforming our worship to be what God would have it to be. And this is, again, episode number seven, but the second episode uh, that we have had our special guest on uh, for this particular series. Uh, We're grateful to have Joey Davis back on the podcast. Joey, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. And I'd just like to say I appreciate the work that you and the other regulars do uh, on the network. And um, I'm just glad to be a part of this other series of studies. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a great uh, study thus far uh, with everybody that we've had on. And then, of course, with Joey, uh, both last week, this week, and then he'll be on again next week uh, as well. But today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about something that's a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit touchy of a subject, um, really, you know, because of, I, I guess, I don't know if our, our society and culture has made it that way and turned it perhaps into something that it never, uh, you know, should have been turned into. But the title of this episode is You Are Sexist. And um, if you have been a part of the Lord's Church or, any, you know, anything about religion, I'm sure you know exactly where this is going. Um, but we're talking specifically, as we're talking about worship, we're going to talk today about really a, a woman's role in worship um, and what that should look like and perhaps, you know, what it shouldn't look like. So, Joey, let's start this whole thing off by, by asking this question. Is a woman permitted to lead in a worship setting uh, when the entire congregation is present? Because you look at uh, denominations in the world, you look at our religious world, um, and there's a lot of, you know, you ask anybody, you might get all kinds of mixed answers. You see all kinds of different scenarios in our religious world. So what is uh, what is uh, the woman's role? And, you know, is she allowed to lead um, in this kind of setting? Yeah, this is... Like you said, it's not a popular uh, question, um, <clears throat> but it's an important one because I think as we progress further and further along in society, uh, there's a greater pressure on the church to conform to what secular society thinks right. is yeah. right. And we don't want to bend and bow to external pressures. We want to stay true to the Word of God. And so in order to answer that question, we have to go to the Bible and see what God has said about this particular aspect of His will. I I think there are two passages that are going to come into play uh, in today's study. The first one is 1 Timothy chapter 2. Right. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14 as well. And each of these should be considered in their own context and um, in order to answer uh, these questions. I think it would be appropriate just to start with First Timothy chapter 2 and just to read a few verses here Absolutely. to kind of set the stage. 
Uh, beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves with modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, I do not, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she, shall be, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. So taking this passage and going back to your question, is a woman permitted to lead in a worship setting where the whole congregation is present? It seems to me that the only answer to that is no. And, you know, that's very clear right. uh, from this passage that uh, in that setting, the key components, again, seem to be uh, the idea of authority and being in submissiveness to the authority that God has prescribed. And in this case, in the worship assembly setting, man has the leadership role, uh, not the woman. Right. No, you're exactly right. And it's interesting. This is kind of something that we've said <clears throat> really all throughout this entire um, this entire season that, you know, people read this and they look at it and they think, you know, how unfair or how mean it is, you know, things like that. But again, you we've got to understand what worship is all about and why we're worshiping in the first place. Again, it's not for us, but we're worshiping uh, to praise and to glorify God. God is the one who has set all of these things in place. Um, we are worshiping Him, and thus we abide by His rules and His laws. Um, and that's and that applies to everything, uh, even within this idea of a woman's role. Um, and we kind of I kind of mentioned this at the beginning. You know, society doesn't want any of that, especially now because you know you see so much of this. Uh, you know, this feminist agenda and that, you know, women are, um, you know, women have to be, you know, these leaders and all of these other things. And certainly, you know, in some instances, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is great, um, there's great pride a woman can take in the role that God has given her. And there's so many things that a woman can do. And we're going to talk about that more uh, as we go forward from here. Yeah. And I would just add also uh, something that we just read, you know, people, will say, well, the church needs to evolve with the culture, with the times. But it's interesting that Paul pointed the finger back to creation and the fall in the garden right. in connection with this authority submission framework. And so we don't need to lose sight of that. He doesn't say, you know, take the temperature and see what society and culture thinks right. is normal. Right. And then do this unless, right. you know, I mean, the whole, the whole justification for it is laid out there. And, you know, if you question that, if, if you take issue with what God says here, then ultimately you're taking issue with, with God, you know, not the people that are just putting forth and, right. and proclaiming what he is saying. Right. Absolutely. Let, let me, let me ask you this is kind of a, maybe a caveat off of this. Um, you know, some, sometimes, um, 
I don't know, maybe you have some people even within the Lord's church um, who, you know, struggle with this or they have this internal debate with one another. But, you know, there's certain scenarios maybe where you're in a Bible class setting. Um, is a woman permitted to ask a question or to make a comment? Or, you know, maybe sometimes somebody says something and they, uh, you know, they say amen um, in agreement agreement with that. What what are you, you know, I, what do you, how do you respond to someone who says, you know, some of these things? Yeah, so that's that's a huge question, right? This can right. go in so many directions. Right, right. I mean, if if you think about our history in the Lord's Church, there there has even been fracture, and you know the development of an element among those who are churches of Christ that you know the no Bible class element, right. you know, and then what can a woman do in Bible class? And this is where that uh, second passage, First Corinthians fourteen comes into play verse 34 specifically where it says let your woman women keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but to be submissive as uh the law also says and so people will say well their women are just to be completely silent when the church comes together regardless of you know what the purpose is and that just doesn't stand up to to test, right? right. First, the contextual test of First Corinthians 14, you have to acknowledge and you can't divorce that instruction from the miraculous context right. there. And uh, so that this, seem, this uh, seems to be, First Corinthians 14, 34 seems to be absolute silence in that setting, but it's a miraculous setting and the exercise of miraculous gifts. Right. So that that passage, uh, you have difficulty applying that passage in the way that uh, people want to apply it to, to keep the woman completely silent. First um, Timothy chapter two, I think would govern a woman's participation in, in the assembly. Uh, and the point of that is not absolute silence, but it's a quietness that one doesn't usurp authority, and two that's not uh, disruptive. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's definitely you know an attitude aspect of this. You know, I'm sure you have seen this as well. In some instances, you know, um, in a Bible class, you, maybe there's a woman who perhaps maybe in some sense almost tries to take over the class, right, yeah. with commenting or things like that, um, or who can even in by saying amen, you know, perhaps during a sermon, as other individuals might do, um, it can get to the point to where, you know, maybe she's trying to draw attention to herself or, you know, to try to stand out um, in, in scenarios like that. So there's definitely uh, some things to consider, um, and I think it's important to, to talk about these things um, because I think that sometimes— there are some individuals in the Lord's church who can be so, you know, rigid in that, you know, a woman's not allowed to speak whatsoever, right? But then you run into the aspect, you know, we, when we talked about this beforehand, well, what about the act of singing? You know, can a, right. is a woman then permitted to sing or to even say amen after a prayer, right. uh, et cetera, you know, and things like that? Well, and, you know, what what is it about the amen that it, you are forbidding if you say she can't do that. Is is it merely opening her mouth during right. the assembly? Okay, so then what do you do about her leaning over and telling her children, instructing her children to do something? Right. Or leaning over to her husband and saying, 
that was a great point right. that he just made. Right. You know, you're forbidding those kinds of things. You're also forbidding, and you and I talked about this, uh, if a woman decides she wants to be baptized on the Lord's Day as part of the worship assembly, and she's called upon to make the good confession, you know, consistent with Romans 10, 9, and 10. Sure. She can't even do that if she can't open her mouth. So I, it just seems to me that the it's true to New Testament teaching to keep that connected with the authority aspect of it. She she cannot engage in any way that usurps the authority of man right. in, in those settings. Right. No, you're exactly right. And I think it just goes to prove understanding, you know, passages like First Corinthians 14 and First Timothy 2, um, understanding the context and what it means um, goes so far for a Christian and trying to discern and understand through issues um, like this. So let me ask you this, you know, obviously we've seen what the role of man and woman is. Does that make God a sexist God? Because there's a lot of people in our culture who would who would say that, who would claim that. So what do you right. say to that? I know, and I've met some of them, you know, who right. look at... Uh, the Bible and approach it from that perspective that they they think God is sexist, right? Which I, you know that that just blows everything up, right? Oh, because sure. Because if you take if you take that attitude toward God, then there those are there are greater problems, right? You know, than what a woman can do in the assembly. Uh, it's that's just has huge implications about the nature of God, period. Right. To call him sexist. But I would just to answer the question, the short answer is no, he's not. Um uh, what God's instruction that makes distinction between men and women really means is that God has desires and requirements regarding those things he's prescribed for us. Period. Right. Right. You know, and you know Questioning God about that, you know, from our our perspective, trying to question God's motivation, his motivation for instruction that he's given, that, you know, that's kind of difficult. But I, I would add to this, if God was of the mind to discriminate, because basically that's what sexism is, or being a sexist, right. discrimination against women, then... What about other passages where he clearly demonstrates no discrimination or where he admonishes men to treat women very respectfully? Right. I think of Galatians chapter 3 when Paul said, We're all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, there's there's no discrimination. If God were a sexist, it seems to me that women would be excluded from salvation. Right. If, if not, why not? Right. And then what about Ephesians chapter 5? Mm -hmm. in, in that chapter, in, but from verses 25 to 33, three times God admonishes men husbands to love their wives. The first one in verse 25, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. You know, did Christ have an attitude of discrimination toward people in the church? No, he didn't. He didn't make a distinction between male or 
female. Verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own selves, their own bodies. Verse 33, again, he's to love his wife as himself. And so if God were sexist, it seems that that would be a consistent theme throughout uh, the Bible, but it's not. You see you see him elevate woman in Scripture. Um, Proverbs 31 doesn't sound very sexist <laughs> right. uh, to me, right? Right. So I just think that's that comes from me one of two sources, right? Those who are trying to to castigate the Bible and to put discredit on it, or those who want the church to look like society and culture. Right. Yeah, I think there's this idea of being content right, with what God has tasked each of us to do. Um, we each have specific roles and um, things that we can do that women cannot do, things that women can do that men can't do. Um, and there's this idea of being content in what you are able to do and then focusing on that and then performing well at that, right, and giving all of your effort and diligence into that rather than focusing on, you know, why can't I do what, what they want to Because when you do that, you cripple yourself, right, from, right. from fully fulfilling your duties. Yeah, and again, I would just point out that there's there's history that goes all the way back to the beginning for this. Right. In Genesis chapter 2, woman was created from man right. by God, and she was given a role of submission to her husband. Genesis chapter 2, Gen uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23. And then again in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we looked at earlier, God's instruction regarding a woman's Submission goes back to Eve's transgression in the garden, where he says there in verse 14, Paul does, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So, you know, you, you have to understand God's instruction regarding the roles of men and women in light of creation uh, and the fall and God's divine prerogative to tell us to do whatever he wants us right, to do. Right, right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that's kind of, you know, a lot of what this boils down to. God, again, it is, it's God's way of doing things. He's the creator, the sustainer, the savior of us. Thus, he gets, it's his right, right, to tell us how he wants things to be done. And we need to be able to swallow any kind of pride or arrogance that we have and just say, okay, I'm willingly going to submit to you, even if maybe I don't quite understand why. Uh, I'm still going to, to do exactly what God has told me to do. Let, let me ask you this. And we've touched on this passage already going back to First Timothy chapter 2. Uh, but if you want to just briefly maybe touch on this, you know, the idea of what Paul meant when he said a woman is not to teach or to have authority over man. Again, I think we've touched on this kind of a little bit already. But if you want to just talk maybe just for a moment about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot more to, to say about right. that other than I would just, in my mind at least, underline teach and have authority over the man. Right. That's the key component here. Preaching and teaching in a, in a group of men and women uh, would put her in a position of teaching over the man. And God has forbade that practice. Right. It doesn't matter how popular that right. is in society. Uh, and despite the church's history of trying to adopt practices that they see outside, right, from other religious groups, we don't have the authority to make those adjustments to 
to what God has prescribed for worship. Right. Nope. You're exactly right. Let, let's let's close out by by asking this one. Um, you know, we've all, we've discussed this. We've proven through Scripture already. A woman cannot lead in a worship assembly where Christian men are present. So. What are some ways that a woman can still be effective in the Lord's church? And I think this is important to point out because, you know, a lot of people would take away from this. You're just telling me as a woman, there's nothing I can do. I just have to sit and be quiet. But there's certainly ways that women can be effective in the Lord's church, you know, perhaps in ways that maybe a man cannot. Um, so what are, what are some of those things? Yeah, I'm not, I, I am not going to make the same mistake today that I made uh, many, many years ago when I was speaking at a youth rally and I was asked a question similar to this. Uh-huh. And I made the I made the statement that, well, there are a lot of things that young women in particular can do, like make brownies and take, oh, no. <laughs> and, and take them to oh, you no. know to older members or shut-in <laughs> members. I, right. I, I'm not gonna make that mistake again. Uh, I hope I've grown some in my <laughs> understanding since that point. I, You know, when you gave me this question to think about, I thought about Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, where Paul says, or the Hebrews writer, uh, if that be Paul, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I think about that in connection with Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians 3 with regard to singing. Mm-hmm. You know, women participate right. in the worship assembly. They participate just as much as men do in exhorting, encouraging, teaching. Right. Because we teach through song, and women are commanded uh, to participate in the corporate worship in that aspect and singing. So they do a lot. Right. In regard to their involvement in the worship assembly. Absolutely. Participants. They are important and vital participants. They just don't participate in a leadership capacity. Right. Yeah, John 4, 23 and 24, you know, is still applicable to women just as it is to men, as is, like you mentioned, Hebrews 10. Um, the command is for women as well, right, to be present in the assemblies and to be actively participating. So I think that's a great point you make. You know, a lot of times we try to, you know, talk about specific things that they can do. But, tr- I mean, truth be told, they um, they have as much of an impact on a worship assembly um, as, as men do as well. And and um, it's as beneficial to them as it is t- uh, for us as well as men. So I think it's important to remember that. And again, to understand, you know, this is not God's way of trying to, you know, take a man and hold them up over a woman and say that a man is better than a woman. Um, but rather, it's just, you know, there's specific roles designed for man, a specific role designed for woman. And if we fulfill each of these to the best of our ability, um, then we will be pleasing God. Um, and he, his name will be glorified and he'll be worshiped in the way that he is uh, requested and required of us. I appreciate your thoughts, Joey. I know this is a, you know, kind of a subject that can be difficult and touchy to talk about, but I appreciate the uh, the way you handled it and you answered these questions. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Looking forward to next week. Joe will be back again as we talk more about our worship. And we're looking forward to that again. If you would, please go to our website, scatteredabroad.org. Find all of the things that you can there about the network. Also, if you would, please give us a rating or review and give the podcast a share. Certainly that would help with our exposure to those who are around us. Looking forward again to being with you next week. And until then, may God bless.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.